It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. You're listening to Jedi and Germs, a weekly podcast brought to you by Spreaker. You can download all your favorite episodes of Jedi and Germs at Spreaker.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hello, everyone. I am Alan Zog, the Jedi, and I am in my deep, 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 deep voice range this week. But I got to use it to introduce my partner in crime, the equally as voice talented john english the germs guy john that wasn't the best you guys gave me crap last week about introducing you (laughs) i just woke up 15 minutes ago and i am falling off the ledge right now how are you john because now you're just going to make me look silly and foolish by introducing Devin. oh i don't have to do anything to make you look foolish that is something you are entirely independently talented to achieve but now let me introduce to you the man who needs no introductions, <laughs> the reigning, defending, undefeated, undisputed, best producer of any podcast in the world, Devin Masters. Thank you, John. Uh, thank you. Um, I really, Go ahead. I really on appreciate it. Um, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We're going to talk some jazz basketball. Oh, Devin, Devin, Devin. Right, you, can't, so. you can't pull up the deep, the deep voice very well. You can't. Sorry. It's, it's you know, I, I got. I, very white. I got this whole thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally pulling off. Jazz are now 27 and 7. Best team <laughs> in the NBA. I was going to say, I'm, I'm pulling off my gold. <laughs> very white this morning. Guys, how are you? Um, Good. You know, I, I I failed you. I have completely failed you. I tried the whole introduction thing. I didn't practice it, and I'm half asleep, so that just failed miserably. But uh, we're going to talk jazz, so let's let's do that. I love when we can record after a win, which is most of the time. Um, did, did you guys watch the game last night? I did. Yes. Devin? So, I did. I did. Okay. You did? Okay. Very cool. Now... Like when I was watching the Miami game, I had I still had confidence they're going to come back and win because that's what they've been doing. And then in the last five minutes, I was like, oh, my gosh, they're not going to pull this off. And Orlando, as close as it was for as long as it was, I just knew that they were going to pull away, even without Mike Conley. And sure enough, 
sure enough. So they get their double-digit win. Uh, Vukjevic is able to get his numbers because, you know, he can shoot from three. But really, this is the Jazz we're used to. This is the Jazz that you just know is going to roll through everybody else. Um, you know, I, I could see this team, like, finishing the whole season with only about 15 losses. I feel great. I feel confident. And even as teams seem to be figuring out and making their adjustments, Jazz are adjusting to the adjustments, and for the most part, they're able to pull it off. They they uh, I noticed that they were talking about this last night, too. The Jazz are, I mean, other teams are not so much figuring it out, but I think understanding what they need to do. And, I mean, they even brought this up during the broadcast and after the broadcast last night, um, that that. Orlando is one of those teams that's trying to do what others are doing, and that's hug the shooters. They're trying to hug the shooters, um, or they try and take away the paint from Rudy. But but teams are trying to find the most effective way to slow down the Jazz offense. And some nights it works. I mean, even last night it worked for a good half and a good three quarters, really. But the Jazz were able to pull away in the end. Um, so, I don't know. It, it seems like the teams are figuring it out. Jazz are still finding ways to win. I like the adversity just a little bit because I've been asking for it, but does this catch up with them at all is my question. I I don't think so. I I feel like the the Jazz are playing playoff basketball now because every night they are getting the very best that a team can bring to them. Um, And we may not be used to that. Um, I think what worked well in Miami is they were throwing various looks at the Jazz on the defensive end. Um, at the same time, in order for, for Miami to win that game, they needed a very, very good shooting game. Um, I can't remember exactly what their statistics were, but I know they were above their um, season average, which you know is to be expected with um, with the injuries that they've had. But yeah, I, I I think it's good for the Jazz to get these looks because it it's going to happen. Throughout the season, it's going to happen in the playoffs, and hopefully they'll be prepared for when that time comes in the playoffs. By the way, Miami shot 46% from downtown Friday night, 51% overall. They had 50 rebounds and 24 assists. They pretty much were the Jazz. I mean, the, the they, roles were flipped that night because the Jazz were 32% from downtown that night. So They were the Eastern Conference reigning champs. Yeah, they were. And, and, and I, we can say whatever we want about their record thus far this season, but I, I think Miami is going to be one of those teams that really turns it on um, and, and starts climbing in the playoffs. I seem to remember saying this a few weeks back when we were talking about the pretenders and contenders. Miami had nowhere sniffed the eighth seed yet, and here they are, the fifth seed now. I felt like this is a team that was going to turn it around and that they were going to start to climb because they had to. That's what they do. Well, the and the injuries they had, they had so many guys missing games, and they were almost at full strength. They didn't have Tyler Hero, but you know they did have all the other crucial cogs in what got them to the finals last year. So, right, and you know I called it <laughs> two or three episodes ago when we were looking at the ten game stretch, or I just said I think one of the Clippers and one of the Heat, and both of you like one of the Heat, but then you know they're both on back to backs, and. So I was looking for schedule losses, but the other thing with Miami is they're going to have a much better second half than first half because they do yes. have all their guys. Unless, you know, Butler or Drogic gets injured again, then then they could go back to eight seed level of playoff team. 
Well, and I, I, yeah, I, you did say that and kudos on that one. I didn't, I wasn't sure about it. And I will still say this right now, as good as Miami played <clears throat> and the jazz will even, I, I know players on the jazz coaching staff agree with this. I felt like the jazz didn't do some things that should have won them that game. Um, they, they didn't play with enough pace. Uh, Miami got them into a half court set and the jazz didn't play early enough. They, they, uh, Mike Wells talked at halftime about the fact that they held on to the ball far too long. They didn't pass it around. They didn't play pass it around with that pace. Um, they dribbled way too much. So then on the defensive side, they also didn't get to their guys fast enough. And so Miami had a lot more shooters, uh, a lot more guys making shots. Drogic was the difference for them, though. Really? I mean, yeah. you know, you know, Robinson's going to get his. But 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 Drogic was the difference for Miami that night. I mean, he had a he had a really good night off the bench, um, but I just felt like the Jazz did a few things that or didn't do a few things they normally would do to win that game. Yeah, and and what killed me about the Miami game, I think, was you know Drogic was doing what Clarkson usually does. Drogic is the one who came off the yep. bench, gave you twenty six. Clarkson shot four of seventeen, and just just it never clicked for him. Right. All right, so. What's their ratings right now, the Jazz ratings? Uh, the same. They're fourth in offense, second in defense, first in net rating. They are three and a half games ahead of the number two Clippers. They are well ensconced in the first seed. And, you know, the way other teams are playing, I I feel pretty good about them keeping the first seed all year. I think as we get down to the last week, depending on where two, three, and four are, you're going to see some teams jockeying for position. I, I, I agree. I agree. Um, do you, it's way too early to call any games in the second half, but there are a few games that I have circled, obviously another game against the Lakers. And we still don't know what that's going to be without, you know, Anthony Davis at this point. Um, the other game that I want to see is Brooklyn coming to town. Um, Everyone I've listened to, podcast, analyst, whatever, talks about Brooklyn being the best team in the NBA. And so many people said, hey, the Jazz are the best team right now, but stacked up against uh, Brooklyn. They're not going to they're not going to bode well because Brooklyn is the best team, yada, yada. I, I'm kind of circling that one on the on the map. I want to see what the Jazz, how they play against Brooklyn the second time around because they lost by 30 in the first meeting, but they also didn't play the, as well in that game. So. Kind of that that's the big one on the second half I want to see. That's a gauge. Yeah, and it was just a different Nets team. They they still had Jared Allen and Karis Levert and everybody. And this is also a Nets team that they have their weaknesses. I mean, they they thrive on offense because their defense sucks. And, you know, last night they had Durant and Irving sitting, and so it was just Harden and Joe Harris trying to lead the ship and it did not work. They got killed by the Mavericks of all teams. So there's there's some vulnerabilities there. And I think what it's going to come down to is is both teams are now well established in what they are. And right. so net, Nets are just going to shoot lights out and so all the Jazz have to do is have some competent defense and be able to make shots like they normally can. And I feel pretty good about it. Okay. All right. Now, one final item we want to touch on on the Jazz, Utah Jazz this week. Uh, let's talk about it. Yes, yeah, so 
uh, former jazz man Elijah Millsap, brother of Paul, he tweeted out that in his excellent interview in 2015 with Dennis Lindsay and with Quinn Snyder present, uh, Dennis Lindsay um, said a racist thing. Um, and I, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it was something like, not another word out of you or I'll ship your black ass back to Louisiana. Something like that. I think he said, I think he said cut, but same thing as ship because he was going to cut him from the team and send it back. But basically, yeah. yeah, whatever it is, people can look up the exact tweet. Um, Lindsay said that he categorically, categorically denies ever saying it. Quinn Snyder says he doesn't remember it and he thinks he would have because he's sensitive to that kind of thing. So he would have been shocked if Lindsay said anything like that. So they're doing jazz of, Got outside investigation on the matter. And the NBA. I think maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. I don't see why Elijah would say that now if it wasn't true, or at least if he felt like it was true. It could be something where memory over time changes to another thing. Um, I, I mean, he did play another year with the Jazz after that exit interview, and this was one where as soon as I heard it, I'm like, oh, they're screwed. But then... You know, you got to wait, wait for the evidence. And if Dennis Lindsay had said something like this, I would have thought other players would have come forward by now. But you know, I'll, we'll let the investigation play out. I it it bumps me out that this is going on because it just kind of plays into the ah Utah's racist. But right, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what they ultimately determine. But it's the other- out there. The other one that you did not mention that was present was Justin Zanuck, um, reading a little bit more on it. And Justin, oh. I believe at the time, was in charge of inputting all of the notes into their system, whatever that system is. So there, there's there's a lot to take in here. Um, I'm with you. Uh, I don't see Elijah as, as one that would just suddenly I, – I mean, honestly, it's not even Elijah. I, you know, when allegations are made like this, you have to take them very seriously. You can't just – brush him off and say, oh, gee, that was six years ago. Wait, wait, you know, why would you do this? Um, yada, yada. I mean, if, if he remembers something, he remembers something. How he remembers it, what it was, it's hard to say. And I'm hoping the investigation will bring to light what needs to be what needs to be brought out there. And then we'll see where it goes. I'm with you, John. I, I thought, no, this can't be good. Um, you know, and, and I heard some on the radio this, uh, the other morning, and I was kind of thinking too. The the NBA and the Utah Jazz have have a precedent to set here, or or to to go with. Okay, first of all, the question is, what is the precedent? What is what what's the standard? Um, you know, I heard it on DJ and PK the other morning. PK asked that, what's the standard? It's not so much, you know, should there be punishment? Will there be punishment? What will the punishment be? I mean, it's what is the standard? So it, if if it's found that Dennis did indeed do that. What takes place? What what does the NBA and the Utah Jazz do about it and say about it? Because they both have an anti uh, what is it anti racism anti bigotry kind of policy. Where does this go? You know, and and I think that's a valid question. But we all got to sit back and watch and see and wait. Yeah, Devin. Well, yeah, like like you said, I am, this is something we definitely have to take seriously. Um, and look into. And I, I kind of agree with what John said. I don't see any reason why he would say this if it it wasn't true or at least true in his mind. Um, it doesn't make any sense, you know, otherwise. 
So the the thing that I found interesting is in looking at some of the uh, reporting that was done by the Deseret News by at NBA Sarah, it, it sounded like she had talked to him and he didn't have the intent of getting Dennis in trouble or calling him racist or anything like that. It was just trying to bring awareness to language that is used and some of these things that maybe people gloss over and and we shouldn't. Um, you know, and, and I, I think the intent of what he's trying to do is also important here. You know, it, it doesn't sound like he's trying to get Dennis to lose his job or anything like that. Um, which, which is, you know, um, I, I don't want to say good, but it's, it's refreshing because, you know, we, how much do we hear about cancel culture? And that's what people's intent is. His, his is not that he's just trying to, you know, speak his truth and, and, you know, bring about some positive changes. He can is what it sounds like to me. The other thing I want to touch on is the fan response. Um, and, and we've seen kind of two sides to this. Um, one side is very positive and, you know, supportive of him and, you know, Hey, if this happened, sorry, that happened. Um, you know, we, we want to make it right. Hopefully this can be made right with you. You know, that's not who jazz fans are. The other side has been the kind of pushback and say, well, you're telling a lie. Why are you waiting six years? This isn't the truth. You know, that whole sort of thing. And I, I want to take this opportunity to just kind of condemn that kind of behavior and just say, really, we need to be giving people an opportunity to speak up in these instances, taking them seriously, and then let the investigation play out. Look into it, find out if it's true or not, and then we can go from there. Um you know, that's that's what I think is the best the best route to go. And, you know, if, if you're instantly saying, no, you're a liar, this isn't true. My, I feel like you're kind of pushing forward the stereotype that we are getting in Utah. You know, people who either are racist or don't care about racism. And and that's a problem. All right. So and and while we're on it, um did you guys see the the comments made by number one jazz fan uh, Vernon Maxwell? Did not. Yeah. And I, you know, it was one of those things where that's kind of in the same same realm. You know. What did he say? Uh, he said that jazz fans are racist to him every time he played in Utah, pretty much his entire yeah. career. And he, he said that. <sighs> Go ahead. <laughs> he said that they they had they had spit on him and you used racist language that they had threatened his family, and I don't know. Again, I don't know if that was the case. I would have, you know, I I would completely condemn those remarks, and I don't know if they are or are not true. And I think there's probably some truth to it, but I I don't know. One would think that something of that level, you know threats to your family and spitting on players and whatever else, you know, that would, uh, that would lead to some action by the league or at least something being said at the time. But I don't know, John, your thoughts on that. Um, well, my, my problem is that it's Vernon Maxwell. <laughs> um, yeah. but I've also, I've also kind of learned there, there have been previous players who've complained where I was like, I can't picture that. But, you know, ever since 
the Russell Westbrook thing, I've like gone back and like, you know what, I, I should just go ahead and take them at their word. And I, you know, I, I take J.R. Smith at his word. I take Steven Jackson at his word. I can't with Vernon Maxwell. I'm sure some of that stuff happened, but it's like his entire Twitter, Twitter life is dedicated to just bagging on Utah all of the time. Um, so I bet you, I bet you some things did happen with him. It's just that he wildly exaggerates and is dishonest about some other things. So my whole thing is it, the problem is that is he's the messenger on that kind of thing. But with everybody else, um, you know, other players have talked about jazz fans in the past and it's clear that, you know, some of our fans, uh, have been like that. Some of our fans have done stuff like that. Um, and since we had it on video with those two fans who got their lifelong bands, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure stuff like that was probably said more often, you know, Vernon Maxwell played in the nineties, you know, so, mm -hmm. you know, we, we got to go back to that time and racists were probably more bold back then felt like they could get away with more stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure s some of that stuff happened. I just, you know, I'll, I'll take any other player's word for it over his, but I'm sure he still, I'm sure some of that's true. Yeah. And, and I guess that's what I'm getting at. You know, we, we have to at least give someone the benefit of doubt and, and have some consideration for, you know, what this, this could have happened. And if it did, then you know, that's unacceptable. And it may have been 30 years ago. You know, I, I, I don't like Vernon Maxwell. I'm not going to suddenly become his biggest <laughs> supporter. But I can understand some of his animosity towards Utah if those are the things he experienced. And do I think he experienced all of them? I don't know. Do I think he experienced some of them? The more I see it and the fact that we had the, the Russell Westbrook incident in, what, 2018? You know, I, I, uh, I, 19, I, yeah, yeah. You know, that many years later, and in this different age, yeah, I, I, I do think he, he probably went through some things, and it's, it's not acceptable. Alan, no, it's not. No, it's not acceptable, not at all. And I, I was trying to remember, and and there was a, there was an incident I was remembering from back in the '80s with Larry Miller and, and Carl Malone, but I'm going to be remember it wrong, which is why I'm not going to bring it up other than what I just said. Um, but, but there's, there's obviously been some incidents over the years that, but, but I, I don't want to be one of those guys that says Utah is, is a problem above anywhere else, because I think there's, it, it goes back to the problem that, that it exists. And it's not just in Utah, it exists. It exists. Things are said, people say things they should not be saying. Um, do you know that the, the idea of, Innocent till proven guilty is still true. It's still the case. That's why Dennis Lindsay and the Utah Jazz have opened investigations and said, here, let's talk. Let's take a look at our books and stuff. But that said, it doesn't downplay when somebody brings to light something that they experienced. Um, you know, the, this, the, the, uh, the, the ideas with these comments from Elijah, I compare them, and maybe I'm wrong to do so, to that of those who, who uh, cry rape and who speak of, of being raped. The fact is somebody brings something up and there's a reason they bring it up. There is probably in, in most 99% of the time, there is some truth to it and we can't downplay it just because, well, 
gosh, the Jazzers, you know, there's some people out of pocket, the Jazzers successful, so somebody's got to bring him down. Or this guy has so much money, so that's why somebody's crying that he did this to him. Like, can we get off of that? Like, it's if there is truth to that, great. But let's let due process do its thing first. And obviously the victim felt an attack for some reason. So let's let's wait. Let's not let's not jump to conclusions one way or another. That's the reason why we have a, a due process. Right. I mean, that's that's the way I look at it. So let's not downplay what somebody says. Let's let's see how this turns out. Um, could it be that Dennis Lindsay said something? Yeah, it could be. Could it be that he doesn't remember saying so? Yeah, that's also a possibility. Could it be that? I mean, we, we don't know. We won't know until this is investigated. I think it's unfortunate, but I'm glad it's being addressed. It needs to be addressed. And we as a as a as a, the state, as a country, we all need to to, to see when to, to, I guess use this as a learning tool, if anything, to be careful about how we say things to anybody and everybody, whether we meant to or not. We can be better to everybody. Right. I don't know if I'm making any sense. I'm stumbling on my yeah, words. Yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd add a final quote from the Sarah Todd story on it. Uh, Elijah's final quote in the story was, it's hurtful to see people asking why after six years. That's not the question I would be asking of a teammate, friend, family member, or someone I admired. Change the question from why and show empathy or compassion or support or love. If we did that, the world would be a better place. So Elijah Amen makes it- to that. He makes it clear in the article that this is the only incident that he had, and he doesn't think he's racist, but he just, you know, wanted to bring awareness. Um, you know, it's it's hard to read tone in writing sometimes. So when when I first saw his tweet, I thought he was like, you know, I am the victim of this racism from Dennis Lindsay, and and as you look at it in more context, he's just trying to say, nah, but there was this bigoted language, and it's, you know, we shouldn't really do that. So, right. We'll see. I agree. I agree. And and you're right. We need to to not jump to conclusions on that side. And I also on the equal side, let's not do a witch hunt either. So you have both sides of the story. Let's let this play out. Let's mm-hmm. let's we don't have to go after Dennis Lindsay's head, but we most certainly don't have to go after Elijah for bringing this up. Um, if anything, Elijah's point is right. This is a, it's not why it's let's talk about it. Let's talk about what took place and let's be better. Let's be more educated going forward. So. Um, Anything else jazz related? Uh, no. All right, let's move on to some NBA news and notes. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What do you want to talk about? Uh, let's go over standings. Let's see where everybody is at. Um, we'll, we'll start with the West this time. Jazz are clearly on top. They are three and a half games ahead of the Clippers. And I will also add in last 10. So Jazz, eight, eight of their last 10, 27 and 7. Clippers, they are seven of their last 10. They're at 24 and 11, so three and a half back. Just a half game behind them is the Lakers. And the Lakers are five of their last 10. And that's largely because um, Anthony Davis is out. And Lakers have kind of shown themselves that 
you know, if they don't have AD, and especially if they don't have Schroeder as well, I mean, they're a first-round exit <laughs> if they don't have those two guys. Uh, Schroeder should be fine, but uh, Davis is a big deal. Um, one game behind them is the surging Phoenix Suns. They've won eight of the last ten. Uh, Clippers, Lakers, and Suns all have 11 in the loss column. And right behind them with only 12 in the loss column is the Spurs. The Spurs keep chugging along. I don't know how they're doing it, but they're they're doing it. That that's what's crazy is we the last time we talked standings, we talked about teams that have been dealing with uh, the COVID, you know, the, the continuity and everything. And here's the Spurs. That's one of them that's been affected, and yet they're in fifth place at 17 and 12. It's insane. And the funny thing about the Spurs is they seem to be better off without Aldrich. Yes, yes. I don't know who I heard about that. He is day to day currently, but yeah. It's like uh, DeRozan is putting up all-star-esque numbers. Um, if you know they had allowed 15 instead of 12 players, uh, he would have an argument for representing the Spurs in the game. But yeah, I mean they're they're chugging along. And go ahead and round out the last three behind them. <clears throat> oh yeah, well we got to do 10 because of the whole playoff game. Oh uh, yes. Blazers are just a half game behind the Spurs, and they are basically tied with the Warriors. Um, Warriors have one more win and one more loss, so they would be seventh. Denver is eighth. Dallas is ninth. Dallas has been, you know, turning things around, and then Memphis is tenth. Now Dallas Mavericks in ninth seed. They are sixteen and sixteen, and the Grizzlies are only half game behind them. And I'll just go ahead and say the lottery teams are Pelicans, Thunder, Kings, Rockets, and Timberwolves. Uh, wow, Rockets have lost 10 in a row. They've pretty much yeah, given Holy crap. Yeah. I, I've been looking at the, the last 10, and the, the Jazz and the Suns are surging. But it is interesting to see who's been 7-3. and three. Um, Yeah. The Warriors, Mavericks. You know, some of those, those teams are, are making a push. We'll see what happens. You know, can the... Can the Spurs continue to hold on? That's what I want to watch and see. Well, and I want to point to when we talked about this the last time in the Pretenders and Contenders um, a few weeks back. Um, I, I want to point to the fact that that we talked about Dallas and Memphis, and look at where they're at. I mean, I felt like Memphis might be able to hold hold sway until Jaron Jackson comes back, and look at what they're doing. I mean, they're five and five in their last ten, but they're hovering hovering at that tenth spot, and Two two games ahead of New Orleans, which, by the way, New Orleans has been playing decently well. But Memphis hovering, they could still they could still be in the talk for the eighth seed. And Dallas, you're right, just continues to climb. Um, does Dallas overtake Denver? Dallas that, was out of it, didn't we? What's that? Yeah, I thought we did. We, we were saying no. Dallas Dallas is pretty much dead in the water. But the yeah. one that speak, it, it, the one that speaks out to me, and we already mentioned the Spurs, is Denver. Denver in eighth place, and they're 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 fighting for their lives at the eighth seed, and you've got Dallas creeping up on them. Like, it, I'm wondering if Denver writes the ship and moves up more, or if they're this is really who they are and where they are, and whether Dallas is gonna, you know, it, it that that's that's an interesting it's an interesting stretch, right? That you know, as we go into the second half of the season, Denver and Dallas. I mean, does Dallas overtake Denver? Does Denver stay? What is going on with Denver? I mean, when, whenever I see the 
the NBA math charts that they do. Here's how all here's how all the players are contributing. You have all the Nuggets players just right in a cluster, right in the middle, and then you have Jokic way over here in the upper right hand corner. It's like it's Jokic and then a bunch of scrubs, and right. they're not a bunch of scrubs. But but why why is this happening? <laughs> And Murray, Murray, Murray being one of those that struggled, I was, I read something the other day. Murray seems to be in some sort of a struggle right now himself. I don't think he's been playing all that well lately. Yeah, and and they, I know, I know they have a lot of injury problems. Uh, Millsap's in and out. Gary Harris is out again. Jamichael Green's still out. Um, and Murray's numbers look good. He's scoring twenty one points a game, yeah. shooting forty percent from three, but it's not adding up to wins and. I'm trying to remember where I heard it the other day. I was, I think it's on one of the Locked On NBA podcasts where they were debating. Is like, you know, do you do you go ahead and try to get something for Michael Porter Jr. to help this team because he's he's a young prospect. He puts up good offensive numbers, but do you try to get someone a little a little more solid in that position and see what assets you can get for Porter um, to help turn your season around? And I thought that was interesting. I mean. Porter's definitely gifted offensively. I, Porter strikes me as a slightly more talented Yang sometimes, though. So, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. I wonder if I wonder if we gave Yang the numbers that Porter gets if he would put up Porter-like numbers. Right. I'd be curious what their per thirty-six are next to one another. Yeah, I would too. Well, all right. Let's jump over to the East. <clears throat> okay, East. Um, East, well, okay. Uh, Sixers are still number one. They did lose last night, and they've lost five of their last ten, but they're still atop at 22 and 12. But now only a half game behind is the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they they started pretty flat early in the season. They've been surging. They've won eight of the last ten. And it seems like their losses only come when at least one, more likely two, of their big threes out. So I think ultimately Nets are going to finish number one. But they're number two right now, and then only one game behind them is the Bucks. And when you think of the East, those are your top three. It's Sixers, Nets, and Bucks. It's going to be one of those three teams. The fourth seed is 17 and 17. So once again, <laughs> the East compared to the West is just really, really weak, you know? But, but, but now hold on a second, John. As you get going further into this, I'm seeing a trend. You go through the 10 teams, because let's be real, it's 10 teams. Uh-huh. Um, all 10 teams are separated by five games in the loss column. And you have teams four through 10, all with 17 losses. Exactly. Four through 10. There's only one game separating <laughs> four through 10 in the East. And they're all between 17 and 17 and 15 and 17. <laughs> so they're all just right there. Just a big old cluster of average. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the current order, which will change every single day because of how close they are, right now it's uh, tied for fourth is Raptors and Knicks. Tied for sixth is the Celtics and Heat. And tied for eighth is the Bulls, Pacers, and Hornets. So when you look at that, you got to look at trends. Now, Raptors and Knicks, they've won six of their last ten. Celtics, they've only won four of their last ten. Heat, they're climbing up. They're getting healthy. They've won seven of their last ten. And then Bulls, six of their last ten. Pacers, only three of their last ten. They're really going down. And Charlotte's uh, five and five of their last ten. 
And then your bottom dwellers in the east are the Hawks, Wizards, Magic, Cavs, and Pistons. And there is one outlier in that bottom feeder section that maybe you might want to watch out for, and that's the Wizards. Uh, they've won seven of their last ten, and they're only, what, game and a half out of eighth place as well. So, I mean, yeah. they're they're making a climb themselves. I, I wonder if if Westbrook and Bat- Bradley Beal are finally starting to find their 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 traction together and maybe they're just going to get better as the season progresses enough to be in that seventh eighth seed area well we can put it this way there's four games separating number four and number 14 oh good point good point (laughs) let's let's see and in the west there's four games separating the first from the third (laughs) it's like oh my gosh they're so close i mean the west is pretty evenly spaced out when you look at it i mean and 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 four games separating the third and the eighth seed in the west or seventh seed so yeah i mean you're right it's it's yeah so well that's that's got to be fun for for eastern conference fans yeah any minute minute they could surge yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you've you got to watch the standings for everyone. you you got to watch everyone's game to see where you're going to end up. So it's going to be a fun, fun second half of the season if it stays as close as it is. Agreed. Yep. So, all right. Any other? Oh, uh, and I don't know, Devin, if you have any quick hits, we'll get to you in a second. But there is one note. We talked about Elijah Millsap. Apparently, Jeremy Lin has been coming forward this last week. Oh, yeah. Side as well. Um, and, and has been experiencing some, uh, racist, uh, circumstances with the G League Warriors team in San Francisco area. So be curious to see how that one plays out. And he mentions he's not the only one, that there are a few there. Um, and his scenario intrigues me because of, it's not, and I'm not saying timing in a bad way. I'm saying timing because of where we're at with the coronavirus and all of that, um, his claims are that he and some of his Asian, his fellow Asian friends and teammates are being called coronavirus. Um, and before anyone listening starts to laugh, might I remind you, that is not okay at all. So, and the tone of that is not okay at all. So I'd be curious to see how that plays out as well. Yeah, it's 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 the same sort of thing that we, we talked about with Millsap. You know, it, you have to take these claims seriously. Yep. It's unacceptable, unacceptable, and you know, come on, guys, just be decent towards another person. Except with uh, Lynn, uh, isn't uh, it a player? Wasn't it a player who called him that? I have to go back and look. If I thought it was, I thought for some reason it was staff members, but maybe it was a player. I don't, no, I don't know. I just I remember it was, about it. It was a player, from what I recall. Yeah. No. The point is, is that there's obvious, obviously, some some things going on here. You know, both with the Jazz and with with the York. With with Jeremy Lin with with Elijah Millsap, that just it's just not right. It just shouldn't be happening, and we as fans need to watch how we react and how we handle it as well. So, um, all right, that's it for NBA news and notes. Let's move on. Devin, do you have some quick hits? Um, no, let's let's skip it this week. Um, I know we're running short on time. So, John, we're gonna jump over talk pop culture. What you got for us? All right, I saw. What was, as of a couple of days ago, the number one movie on Netflix called I Care A Lot. And it stars Rosamund Pike from Gone Girl as this really slimy legal guardian of elderly p- 
people. She has a scam set up where she has a doctor friend who will help her get diagnoses of elderly patients that they can't take care of themselves. She has a contact at a nursing home where she can send them there. And so she basically looks for vulnerable old people that she can get diagnosed as unable to take care of themselves, gets herself appointed their legal guardian, and then steals all their money. And so the first few minutes of this movie is like, oh my gosh, this is a despicable character. But she winds up um, putting one old lady in the home, and unbeknownst to her, this old lady happens to be the mother of an international drug trafficker. So you have this one evil lady who's going up against this one evil man, and it's one of those movies where, you know, em- emotionally it really got to me. It was very effective at that. But And it's a movie where you're watching where you're kind of like, you know, as as long as most of the people here lose, then I'll be happy because there's a lot of evil people and it's pretty much a dark comedy the way it goes. Um, and that the drug traffickers played by Peter Dinklage and it's it's really fun to watch him use his uh, use his ticks to be an evil guy. And I still couldn't quite help but root for him because her character is so evil and it's Peter Dinklage. So it's kind of hoping he would win. But uh I, I found it very interesting. Um, overall, overall, I enjoyed it. Um, I guess I would say anyone watching it, you got to understand that's what it's going to be. Is It's a very dark comedy about very evil people trying to beat each other out. <laughs> and, you know, I was amused. Well, yeah, I saw I, that. I, I almost watched it last night. It, it looked interesting, so... And I saw I saw that the uh, the Peter Dinklage and was going to ask about that, but you brought that up. So um, no, and I, I I haven't watched a whole lot myself. I think I'm kind of done with seeing Jane the Virgin pop up because my daughter has been rewatching seasons of that. And quite frankly, no, thank you. Um, in fact, I told her last night I joked with her. I said I fell asleep dreaming the other night that I was that I was, uh, uh, you know, that I was the narrator and speaking in my sleep in the narrator's voice. And I started playing it just to be funny. And she starts laughing. But that what goes that's what goes on in my house, that my family rewatches some of the craziest things. My daughter right now with Jane the Virgin. So um, but I haven't really had a chance to really binge watch anything else. So I can't really say I can add anything of note this week. Well, then. Devin? We are at 9.45. Um, just real quick, I, I watched Behind Her Eyes on Netflix. It's a limited series, six episodes. Um, it's kind of like a, a slow burn psychological thriller. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it. Mm-mm. I have not. Okay, so uh, just kind of real quick without giving anything away. Um, a girl meets a guy um, at a bar. They, they share a moment, and then it turns out that that's her boss, and he's married. And so it turns into this whole kind of love triangle situation um, while also going through the, the past of the boss who's a psychiatrist with his wife and what she's been through. So it, it's actually pretty good. Um, I asked people on Twitter if anyone had seen it. Um, some people said that 
they knew people who had, and they either loved it or they hated it. Um, What's it called again, did you say? Behind Her Eyes. Okay. And uh, I, I can totally get that after finishing it. Um, you, you may love it, you may hate it, you may kind of fall somewhere in the middle. Um, but it, it's definitely an, an interesting watch, you know. So, yeah, I, I, I'd recommend checking it out. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, short episode this week, folks. Sorry about uh, the the quickness of it, but we're glad you could be along with us. Um, check it out. Check these these shows out. We'll hopefully have some more time to talk the next time a little bit longer. Um, but unless there's anything else you guys have to add, anything? And now, introducing yeah. <laughs> the best exit man in all of the business, John English. Take us out. <laughs> Bye, everybody! With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.